Hey everybody, I need you to know this is not an investment advice podcast, okay? The host goal is simply to unravel some of the mystery of what the stock market is and how it works, but not how to invest in it. All right, now that being said, enjoy the show. Well, as my mother used to say, invest like no one's watching. To the paper jam. Yeah, let's do the paper jam. To the paper jam. Nothing's real, the money's fake. To the paper jam. I said do the paper jam. To the paper jam, oh baby, do the paper jam. Hello, and welcome to the Paper Jam Podcast. Mike and Kenny are out for today. In their stead is myself, uh, David Business, trusted connoisseur of the world of LinkedIn and mergers and acquisitions and everything, doing with the big old dollar. You know, it was supposed to be an episode with Mike and Kenny, but due to unforeseen circumstances, Mike's actually traveling to the Bay Area, a, a wonderful location. He got called in for work, which is the best call to get. You know, I do think occasionally, and, you know, I'm sorry to start off with such opinions so harshly, but I do think there should be a draft for business. You know, in the age of the great um, resignation, when a company like GE needs employees, I'm not sure it should be on them to offer benefits as the benefit they offer mainly is being a wonderful company. I, I think there should be a draft of people and can get conscripted into the service of capitalism. And, I, and if that doesn't tell you a little bit about me, I don't know what will. <laughs> like I said, Mike is traveling for work in the Bay Area. And Kenny, um, you know, he was scrambling to find a co-host. He asked a lot of his friends and a lot of them had lives. You know, who's available to do a podcast at 5 p.m. PST on the East Coast? And who is available just randomly on a Monday night? Not many people, but I am. I always, uh, you know, if you put the the bat signal of business up in the sky, the almighty dollar bill, I will respond. And Kenny graciously offered me this opportunity to come on the podcast and chat and do my own Bill Burr-type monologue of sorts because I'm doing a show here in Los Angeles, the Hollywood Fringe. Now, by the time this comes out, the show will have been over. But I say this, why market things when they're around? Marketing is marketing, and marketing is good. So, yeah, this ad may be a little late, but that doesn't mean that you don't need to know about the show. The show I'm doing is called Linked Out, and hey, holy guacamole, we're two minutes in. Who the heck is David Business? Look, I'm a LinkedIn influencer. I'm an aspiring C-suite occupant. I'd love to be a chief executive officer, but I'll take CFO, COO, CXO, CDO. Hey, any C is good with me. I'm also a LinkedIn expert, self-accredited, and uh, I'm a diehard innovator who's fascinated with the world of bugs. Now, I'm here to host the show today, which I understand is a podcast about the stock market. Now, when Mike and Kenny have guests on, they tell me that they ask for guests um, financial advice, things that people have told them in their life. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, when I was in middle school, I used to always bring my snack packs um, in my lunchbox, um, and I was very possessive of them as they were my sweet treat, and they were my only sweet treat for the day. And so it was the only time Daddy got sugar, and 
naturally I was possessive. And there was this one boy named Riley and Riley would always come up to me and say, David, give me your snack pack, give it now, or I'm going to break your legs. And, um, it didn't take long for that, uh, that threat to become true. He did push me down and break my legs when I refused. And it's that moment. I learned this, that there are certain forces in life you don't trifle with. And one of them is the power of the market. Riley wanted my snack pack and he got it. You understand that? It's, it's a simple way. And so instead of fighting it, I just gave him the snack pack. And then through that simple act, I, I began to work with Riley, right? He uh, brought me on as part of his entourage in middle school. And I was pretty soon, you know, the, you know, sort of the assistant goon at my middle school, helping Riley do stuff around the school, uh, you know, create all sorts of innovating ways to um, extract value from you know, the other kids in the school, their lunch money, their binders. Now, I understand what it seems like. It seems a little bit of a, a chaotic situation and perhaps morally, um, morally adrift. Um, but I'll tell you this, working with Riley taught me that the only way to make a dollar is to take it from someone else. Now, obviously by force and legally is not good. And in retrospect, Riley uh, definitely should have been regulated. Um, the government at the school definitely should have passed some laws to prevent things, Riley's practices, much in the same way that the government of the 1920s and 30s um, broke up the various monopolies of Rockefeller and the, the steel and the trains. But, but I, I, you know, I did learn that essentially money is a transaction. You know, you give your money to someone because you want what they have. But if you want what someone else is having, their money, you need to find a way to take it from them. And a good way to do that is to create a good product and to, and to market yourself. So I guess what I'm saying overall, the message here is that when it comes to investing advice, it's not so much how to invest, but if you want people to invest in you, you need to find a way to convince them to give them their give their money to you. Wow. Now, that is what I call a bit of a business fugue state. Um, I'll go into those occasionally throughout the podcast. And they are sort of Ram Dass likes transcendental meditation states in which I deep, uh, you know, dig deep into my past to find lessons. And what I like to do personally, by the way, is when I do regression therapy or any sort of interaction with um, a therapist or a doctor or a ghost in my house is to speak first, think later, and then believe what I said later. Uh, I do that on LinkedIn as well. You know, I just write something that I... Uh, I later on make myself believe it. But anyways, this isn't a show about any of that. This is a show where I guess about two years ago, Kenny and Mike started with $10,000 of fake money and every single week they randomly move it from one stock over to the next. And I'm looking at the chart they sent me here and it would appear their money last week was in Urban Outfitters and this week their money is in Data dog. Datadog. Now that's a company I never heard of. Maybe you heard of it. Um, 
And if you had heard of it, well, congratulations. You were more inside than me, and that's ultimately uh, deeply frustrating myself as I am trying to be the most inside business boy in the entire world. But let me just read a quick explanation of what Datadog is. Datadog is an observability service for cloud-scale applications providing monitoring of servers, databases, tools, and services through a SaaS, S-A-A-S-based data analytics platform. Now, some of you don't know what SaaS is. That's software as a service, as opposed to software as a product. The difference between SAP and SaaS, software as a product, SAP and SaaS, software as a service. The main difference there being in how you monetize it. Software as a product is something you sell once in a box. You know, you get yourself Excel in a nice DVD size little box. It's all white. You plug it in. You stick it in, rather. Is that what you do with a CD? Do you plug or do you stick a CD? Well, I suppose it's obsolete either way. <laughs> You pay once and you use the service, software as a product. Software as a service. Now that's that recurring monetary stream, that recurring revenue, uh, similar to the subscription services like BarkBox or um, Blue Apron. You know, this is a hot, hot space, SaaS. And, you know, SaaS and SAP aren't so different, really. Fundamentally, it's the same product, but, but it's how it's monetized, right? You know, in the same way that a tree, if you bought the tree once and then you got all the sap from it, you know, you'd be paying one price for a tree as opposed to saying, hey, I'm going to charge you 10 bucks a month and you can get the sap and um, we'll make sure that the tree gets updated correctly. And that you will maintain a license on the tree. And, and that, that's kind of nice because as you imagine, when you buy something as a, a product once, what you're getting is that single incarnation of it. And if there's ever developments or updates, you will have to pay for said updates. Some people prefer that. The kind of people that buy a car and drive it for 20 years, I suppose. But what if you want to look cool? What if you want to look new? And more importantly, what if you want to give the business more of your money? Remember what I said before. Business is about trying to figure out how to get people to give you their money. And SaaS is a great way to do it. Also, SaaS in general is a great business tactic, but we'll talk about that in a moment. SaaS, software as a service, is fantastic. It allows you to say, hey, we're going to charge you less. What the customer doesn't know is that you're charging them more over time more consistent revenue stream for the company, bigger amount of money from the person, but they don't see it that way because they are viewing everything through the prism of how much am I paying right now. That short-term worldview is extremely helpful for businesses. That's why I am working very hard to uh, make my own mind short-term memory only besides what matters. Um, it's called the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind therapy. It's difficult. It's experimental, but I'm on board with it. Now, SaaS. They told me to do a bit of an A to C here, which is where I start with Datadog. And well, what does Datadog make me think of? And do a couple jumps. Um, well, I'm fascinated with SaaS. I really am. Because SaaS is something that, you know, it's a personality trait that you mostly see on 
Real Housewives, Bravo TV. It's it's not so much something you see perhaps on um, Shark Tank. I would say the business equivalent of SAS is mostly snark, condescension, um, crude, cutting comments. But SAS is fascinating. SAS is playful. And I think that's that's why I'm I'm drawn to it as a concept is there's a bravado seen around business that I don't know how ultimately productive it is. It's definitely it definitely works. Don't get me wrong. If you walk into a room and you bang on your chest like a gorilla and you threaten people, it, it, you know, it gets the job done. It's a bravado, machismo, alpha mentality that I, you know, I, I would love to have. I really would. And I, I often practice bravado by just looking at myself in the mirror and screaming, I am a champion. And then I, you know, smash my head on the glass like Cooper in Twin Peaks, but Sass is playful. Sass is light. But it gets the same thing done. And I think there's something so powerful about getting something that is difficult in a sweet container. Like Mary Poppins said, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Um, by the way, one of my favorite CEOs. And... Sass allows you to say something cruel in a fun way. And in that way, the person somewhat on the receiving end almost believes it to be a fun interaction. And often it can be. It can be lighthearted, gallivanting with friends. You know, hey, look at you. Uh, your hair. Look, oh, haircut. Haircut coming in. Haircut. <laughs> we all have that Steve in our life. But... Imagine SaaS in the business sense. Imagine what it could be used for. Let's say, let's say someone, you want to fire someone. And the direct approach is, uh, Donovan, you're fired. Donovan, come into my office, you're fired. I think that approach, though clear, um, is boring. And in the age of, of hyper competition on the internet. You have to differentiate yourself. A lot of people have done that through cruelty and you know, Hey, Donovan, you're fucking fired. Get pack your shit. Get out of here. You know, the more, um, God, what is that movie called with Alec Baldwin screaming like a salesman closers finish. I don't know what it is. I'll circle back to that. But, um, imagine being sassy when firing someone. That's what I'm trying to say. Imagine being sassy when firing someone going, Donovan, oof, like you even still work here. <laughs> Donovan, come in here. Oh, wait, do you still think you work here? Oh, my God. And that's nice because that's also gaslighting, which I think, by the way, in terms of um, reusable, sustainable fuels, gaslighting is a, a fantastic way to do it. What you do is you use natural misinterpretation and language that can translate to rage. And rage creates a... Um, an energy in the body that can be then transformed into power. Um, in much the way, uh, you know, if you put a person in a hamster wheel and you gaslight them and they try and chase you, you'll, you know, you could turn a mill and, you know, like a, like a hydro dam, like water falling over a wheel. Same thing. Um, I certainly know that gaslighting has been a, a wonderful fuel in my life. Um, well, it's, you know, it's been destructive 
uh, I suppose, mentally. But in terms of results, in terms of uh, the ends justify the means, uh, gaslighting is a fantastic source. You know? Um, but hey, <laughs> I'd hate to see the utility bill. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of what I think about SaaS software as a service. Datadog also makes me think about dogs in general. Um, dogs are, you know, humans' best coworker. They say that man's best friend. I, I like to think of dogs as coworkers. When, when I see a drug sniffing dog, I think, why are we not doing this in other industries? Really? You know, if dogs have that capability to sniff out threats, drugs, terrorism, then don't they also have the nose to sniff out new business ideas, flaws on the product line, you know, potential issues in code? I think, just spitballing here, but there's lots of industries where, you know, look at farming. You know, we, we used to use literally horsepower and... I think dog power is something that is woefully underutilized. The Iditarod, of course, is a great example up in the Arctic of innovation of why use an engine when you could use Huskies. You know, I think the same thing. Imagine Facebook headquarters and half the office's dogs. Pause for the cuteness. <laughs> I mean, God, good boys, doggos working in Silicon Valley. I mean, now we are really combining both meme culture and tech culture. But I, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with dogs. I grew up with a, a snake. Uh, he was my father. And <laughs> uh, like many snakes, he only came out in the sun when he needed it. Uh, he mostly avoided sun because it would make his blood boil. But we also had a uh, hamster named Titus, which I uh, can't prove it, but I think is the inspiration from the character uh, in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. By the way, um, cults in general are, I think, sort of, I ultimately, you know, not great, but I think um, if you were to abstract the lessons from a cult, I think there's a lot businesses could take from them, but that's a topic for a different day. Um, we had a hamster, and um, Titus, and uh, we, had, we had to iterate on Titus because Titus died a lot, and um, there was Titus 1, Titus versions 1 through 10, and every time we would find a new way that a hamster could die. And I think, you know, this brings me to this sort of, um, I believe it's Wyden and Kennedy, the advertising firm for Nike and other, I mean, they're huge. Um, I believe their motto is fail fast, um, which I think many tech companies have, but I believe that's what they have on the, their lobby. Correct me if I'm wrong listeners, but I believe it's fail fast. And um, we failed fast at Titus, you know? And by the end, um, uh, my brother, who, um, you know, had a real curiosity about Titus and I, I think was 
borderline looking for the faults in Titus's um, physical and mental and, you know, structure in general, whether it's putting the cold environments or anyways, I've been told that animal violence is not, you know, people don't like hearing about it and I don't either. And uh, I was there for it, but I, I will say it did teach me about the concept of iteration because by the time we got to about Titus 12, I was actively defending Titus from my brother and uh, I had figured out the perfect way to keep him safe, which was that um, when, uh, you know, I, gosh, how to put it, I gave him to my neighbor. It turned out that the safest thing to do was to eject him from our family situation. And that's a great business concept in general is that sometimes when an idea isn't working within the walls of your organization, it's maybe because your organization is not best suited for it to thrive. Imagine having an orange tree in a dark cave. It doesn't grow. It needs the sunshine. And in much the way, if I ever wanted my beloved Titus to survive, he would need to leave the legal property of our house and enter the loving arms of the wonderful Protestant family next door. But dogs, cats, pets, they're a wonderful metaphor for hierarchy in the business world. They really are. You know, I, I often have said that there's something called the infinite daddy paradox, which is that if you view the manager conceptually as daddy, the person above you, um, there is, if you believe in God, if you believe in the global acquisition and mergers, I mean, it's almost impossible to become, uh, for, for you personally to achieve the top of any power structure within your lifetime and can be maddening because it often seems the paradox is that as one, as you ascend beyond the rung of daddy, a daddy B seems to appear and the daddy seem to be infinite and it's maddening. And so we are like little subservient pets to the, you know, tops of the industry, which one day I hope to achieve, but God, it's taking time. But what we can learn from pets is how happy they are in their position. At least most of them. When pets are upset, we don't, we don't like it, right? Like when we feed a cat and then they meow right after and you go, you were just fed. That is a cat that maybe isn't a great cultural fit, you know, or, you know, you're not going to get rid of the cat. That's an awful thing to do. But if you think conceptually about an employee getting a paycheck, right. And they go, this isn't enough. You're kind of being the cat that just got fed saying, I need more. Now, obviously People should be paid fair, but what I'm saying is that the way that the cat gets it on the back end is by sneaking around at night, exploring the countertops when everyone's asleep. I've been inside the headquarters of many companies after dark, many, many companies. I have sat in Mark Zuckerberg's chair. Was I naked? I don't know. You would know if you were there. But that is how I get the pay on the back. It's the freedom, the getting off on the anonymity and the power is that the little bugs 
crawl around on the walls. They crawl around in the darkness. And in that way, they have a power that we don't have. Right? Yeah. Well, it's been about 20 minutes. And I think at this point, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out what happened. What happened? <laughs> Jeez. How do podcasters do this? We come back, we'll find out what happened with Paper Jam's money when they invested it into Datadog. Hello and welcome back to the Paper Jam podcast with your host for the day, me, David Business. Today we are talking about the company Datadog. Now, if you're anything like me, you take a moment to think about that and you go, Datadog, that is a fun image. A little dog made out of microchips, a little dog full of data. Or perhaps, what kind of data would you track on a dog? Slobbers per minute? Tails wagged? Number of furs on face. But no. Data dog, like I said, is an observability service for cloud-scale applications providing monitors, monitoring of servers, database tools, and services through a SaaS-based data analytics platform. Now, that is a mouthful of uh, what most people would call business nonsense. That is a lot of words that we don't use in those contexts or straight up at all. So what I thought I'd do is walk you through Datadog's Wikipedia and talk about my real reaction to it in real time. So Datadog was founded in 2010, year, that's a year, by Olivier Pamel and Alexis Lequoque. All right, instantly we're working with Europeans who met while working at Wireless Generation. After Wireless Generation was acquired by News Corp, the two set out to create a product that could reduce the friction they experienced between developer and system administration teams who are often working at cross-purposes. This is great. Friction is, uh, you know, people talk about pain points in business. I think friction is a better way to describe it and also sort of an underused business word, friction. What is the friction between me and my boss? What is the friction between the customer and the sales representative who sold him a product that doesn't work? What is the friction between America and China? Friction. Rub your hands together. They get hot. You rub two employees the wrong way against each other. They also get hot. Solving friction is a great way to make money because friction over time erodes. And yes, we can say that, you know, erosion over time does have, you know, great benefits. We would not have the wonderful asset, um, the Grand Canyon without erosion that came from perhaps you could say the friction of the water on the sand. But that's long term. Yes, I, it, you know, friction is sort of like jazz. If you if you do it long enough and hard enough, eh, or if you play a wrong note long enough and hard enough, it becomes a statement. It becomes something great. It becomes something wonderful. But here I like this. System administration teams 
and, and developers. Isn't it fascinating how the people who design products don't always end up thinking about the end user in quite the same way. They develop a product based on how it would be cool versus what the customer actually needs. Great story about this is Apple. Apple wanted to put lots of ports and lots of customizability to cater to the tech nerds of the 1970s, the big glasses, the big freaks. And I use freaks in a positive way there. Little nerdos, little weirdos, little dad junkies, little computer crazies wanted maximal customization for on their own end. But think about grandma, mama, dad, the old mailman. The old milk guy. Just the old Tom, Dick, and Harry who never used a computer. What do they need with 15 ports? <laughs> the only people who need that many ports is a, a ship. You know what I mean? And Steve Jobs, old turtleneck Williams himself, said, you know, we don't need all these ports. We don't need all these accessories. You just need a couple. We need to make it simple. We need to make it useful to the common man. He was alleviating friction. You know? Much in the same way that a marriage counselor tried to alleviate the friction between my parents. Cross-purposes, though, who are often working at cross-purposes. Now, that's a term I've not heard, cross-purposes. Now, obviously, that brings to mind, you know, cross-purposes is perhaps another word, uh, alternative title for the Bible, right? But I, I like what it implies. You know, it doesn't denote a specific angle. Uh, you know, parallel means perfectly in line with each other, but with the space in between, or as opposed to, uh, God, what is that one? The opposite of parallel. It is eluding me right now. And if you're listening, you're going nuts. Let me Google it real quick. Googling things in real time. Googling things in real time. Perpendicular. That's a word that needs to be pronounced in a very particular way. A peculiar particular word perpendicular is. Look at me being a little Dr. Seuss on the airwaves. Cross purposes doesn't uh, denote an angle. That's what I was saying. So you can be cross purposes with someone at an acute angle, an obtuse angle. Perhaps, you know, can you be cross purpose at the right angle? I think that's what they're trying to do. Find the right angle for purposes. Moving on, uh, Olivier and Alexi, Alexis, they, they built Datadog to be a cloud infrastructure monitoring service, neighborhood watch of technology, with a dashboard, alerting, and visualizations of metrics. Metrics are a great topic. Metrics are numbers, data points, you know, and data helps you see the story, right? In novels and in uh, you know, print media words are the metrics that, you know, they, they tell the story, uh, in business data, data are the words of the story. They tell the story. They are, you know, data is the Mark Twain data is the guy who wrote the Da Vinci code. Da Vinci code 
Codes are numbers. Numbers are metrics. We're full circle now. Full circle. We've circled back. You know, I, I, I've always wanted the dashboard of my car to have more metrics. I'd love for there to be some sort of mood indication connected to me, perhaps my heart rate to let me know, you know, generally what my heart rate is at various speeds and on certain, you know, if we could triangulate GPS coordinates and heart rate and speed and the proximity of other vehicles and the roadways, I mean, we could get a lot of insight into the picture of us as a driver, especially being here in Los Angeles, California, where driving is everything. And the point I'm driving at, see what I did there? Is that metrics and data are the future. I think we need more data. We don't have enough data because data allows you to see the truth and to find the places where there are friction and to find the opportunity. You might not know something's inefficient until you realize it's inefficient data-wise. Until you get a pair of data eyes on them. But look, as cloud adoption increased, Datadog grew rapidly and expanded its product offering to cover to cover service providers including Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Red Hat, VMware, and OpenStack. I mean, Datadog is working with the big boys, right? Datadog is the dog friend of the tech world. You can be that. You can be a good boy. But you gotta try. But instead of bringing a newspaper, what is Datadog bringing? They're bringing visualization of data to developers to alleviate friction. It goes back to my original point. How do you get money? You convince other people to give it to you by providing value. Or you just convince them to give it to you via other means. As long as it's not illegal. Like I said, if my school had regulated, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, the situations would have happened, but they did. But look, in 2015, Datadog announced the acquisition of Mortar Data, bringing on its team and adding its data and analytics capabilities to Datadog's platform. That year, Datadog also opened a research and development office in Paris. That's great culture and business all in one place. That's what San Francisco gets so right. You know, it's both culture and business. As much as I love the uh, state of Delaware for being the you know number one place where corporations incorporate, I, the culture there, <laughs> besides my boy Biden, besides my boy Biden, who, by the way, I don't really swear any allegiance to any president. I just think old men know what's best. Otherwise, why wouldn't they, all, why, you know, what other reason are they all in charge? <laughs> they have to be smarter than me, right? Because otherwise, why wouldn't I be in charge? Can't think about that too long without getting mad. But look, Datadog, they seem to be able to, you know, they provide insights. They provide insights to the, they provide tools to developers. They are providing innovation to the innovators. That's, that's the key takeaway here is that creating services for the people who are creating services. Software as a service to the software developers. That is the sort of Christopher Nolan level business idea that will make you billions. Billions. God, Net income. 
excuse me, revenue, 2022, 1.68 billion with a B, with a B, with a B, 1.68. Now the question is, how does a company like Datadog, what, what, what happened over the course of the year? So let me tell you, let me pull it up here. The way this podcast works is that uh, they pretend to invest the money over the course of a year to see what would have happened. So let's say this. Last year, we started with $12,324.63 from Urban Outfitters. We invested that money into a Datadog, Datadog for a year and made $1,480.47, bringing us, bringing them to $13,805.10. Now, looking at the data here, this is the ride of a lifetime. We're riding a high. But I will warn them, highs come with lows. Highs come with lows. I myself have had many highs. And, you know, I uh, a name I'm dabbling with for my autobiography is Everest is a, Everest is a Perspective. This high may not be the highest high others have achieved, but it is the high they've achieved. You know, there's always more. There's always more above. They could always, we could always get more money here, right? They, they you know, 13,000. What about 14,000? Look, the lows are coming. And if you view 13,000 as your Everest, you will be happy. Because you can just go, even if it's tough, go, wow, look at what we did. Even if objectively it's less or unimpressive to most. Everest is a perspective. Now, what happened with Datadog? What's the key with this? Well, it would just seem that uh, Datadog is a good company. But, hold on now. Looking at Bazinga.com, a very confusing website. You know, I understand a lot of business jargon, but this is some of the most complicated, complicated stuff I've ever read. It's like trying to read Heart of Darkness when you're 10 years old. It would appear that insiders have sold shares in Datadog. Hold up now. I am so sorry for this. I am so sorry. Obviously, over the course of the year, the stock has gone up. It's gone up. Look, full honesty, I really don't know what happened with Datadog. It's confusing. This is one of those companies where the more I try and read about it, the less I understand. I came in here thinking I had to take on Datadog. And I do at a high level, but in terms of the nitty gritty, full honesty, I have no idea what the fuck any of this is. Not at all. Not at all. I think that's important to admit when you're lost, to admit when you're scared, to admit that when you read articles, you go, God, I have no idea what any of this means. And I went to school for business, but going to school for business is not the same as going to school for investing. It's also not the same as going to school for computers. Side note, 
Don't you ever feel bad for the people that went to school for computers in the 70s? I sure do. Those lost souls. Those are the people we need to take care of. Those are the people that need the safety net. But look, Datadog was listed in Forbes Cloud 100. It was ranked in the top 10 fastest growing companies in North America in 2015 and 2016. It's also named one of the 100 best places to work in New York City. It was listed on Wealthfront's 2017 career launching companies list and Business Insider's 51 enterprise startups to bet your career on in 2017. And Bilton named it Boston's fifth top company to work for in 2019. So any sort of dip, any kind of sell, maybe short term, this is the kind of hot unicorn we're looking for. We're talking about a unicorn with an ass. A unicorn with pecs. Whatever you find sexually interesting. Whatever you find tantalizing. Whatever makes you a little perpendicular. (laughs) That's what that dog is. That's what that dog is. Seems like it to me. Seems like it to me. Providing tools for the artists. Interesting idea. Well, that's been Data Dog. It really has. I'm going to wrap it up there on Datadog. And I think it's time we play a little game. Now, Kenny and Mike provide me a list of games. And uh, I'd like to play one of them. One of them was called uh, True or False. Real or Fake. And um, how this is going to work is that uh, I've not created a list of real or fake, but what I'm going to do is say a series of statements and see if I believe them to be real or fake about myself. Okay? We begin. I believe in myself. Real. I have achieved everything I've set out to do. Fake. Not true. Not true. Not true. Fake. And that's a good that's a good fake. The list is long. I have not even begun to I am not even I would say I'm I am roughly five percent of the way there. But you enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. You enjoy the journey. That's what you gotta say. You enjoy the journey. I I'm intelligent. Real. I am a business boy. Real. True. I am. I am. By the way, business boy is not a gender, sex, anything. It's it's a sort of a, just a thing. Like a rock. Just an element. It's just a business element. By the way, the uh, periodic table of business elements, fantastic. You should check that out. Profit, loss, revenue, it's all there. More statements. I have money. True. How much? Pass. Right. Right. I love LinkedIn. True. I wish everyone was on LinkedIn. False. False. That's the problem with Facebook. There's too many people on there that shouldn't be on there. Right. 
We all have someone that when we see them on Facebook, we go, it was a lot of fun before you were on here. It's true. It's just true. It just is. I am happy. Real. I, you know, at least happiness isn't a word that doesn't have a definition, right? Happiness is ever is a perspective. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good at my job. Real. Very real. I've changed many lives. I am, uh, you know, changed many, many lives. Final question. Do I like this podcast? Real. Really do. Really had a good time on here today. Really had a blast. Podcasts are, you know, it's fascinating the way advertising has infiltrated podcasts. Because just to hear two people talk about their opinion on the movie Total Recall for three and a half hours, and in between you get advertised erection medication, Website, you know, tools to build websites, developer, you know, development tools for developers, and of course, food and other, you know, subscription services. It's great. It's, it's fantastic. But you know what? I think I'm going to wrap it up. I just want to say, Mike and Kenny, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me go on this free form, long form journey. I think I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about what it means to podcast, especially in this solo way. <laughs> now, God, yeah, I can't benchmark against Bill Burr or else I'm just going to look like a fool. I could try, but he's the, uh, you know, he's, he's great at this. Marin, the other podcast people, Bill Simmons, Simmons is a company as well. Anyways, Mike and Kenny, thank you so much for having me on the Paper Jam podcast. It's been a hoot. I hope to be back on at some point, but if I'm not, this is the ride of a lifetime. Everyone out there, make sure to give the show five stars, rate and review, tell your friends. Guys, I love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Paper Jam Podcast. New episodes come out every Thursday. Also, make sure to follow us on social media at the Paper Jam Pod or shoot us an email at thepaperjampod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you like what you hear, check out our Patreon where Mike and I post bonus episodes, videos, and other sweet, sweet content for you to enjoy. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Audio.